Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. It is episode number 225 of the BGN Radio Podcast, and we are so thankful that you are here with us. It's myself, John Barchard, of course, Teron Davenport, looking smooth <laughs> as usual. What's going on, buddy? Oh, man, you know what? Heaven is here. It you is. Know? I-, I told you coming up here, man, this is this is it. This is what, what we live for. This is what we live to do. So having an opportunity to talk shop, man, it means a lot to me just, you know, to be able to do this. And I appreciate you guys for giving me this opportunity. Of course. And if, if you don't know already, Teron's going to head down to the Combine in Indianapolis. He's going to get in the gym or say ear. He's going to whisper <laughs> real close and just say, you know, you're going to fuck this coin flip up so bad. And <laughs> I'm going to rip that rabbit's foot <laughs> off his off his uh, belt. <laughs> yes, that's right. So uh, Teron's going to be down there and we'll have, uh, we're going to be doing many podcasts yeah. throughout the entire week of the Combine. So we're just going to kind of throw things out there. Maybe maybe Tehran hears some whispers about things because I'm excited about a lot of things coming up with the combine, mostly to see all these different players, which we're going to get into and get to your questions as well, which has been phenomenal. But the rumor mill that's going to come out of the combine because it's so crunched up to free agency, it's bang, bang time. And that's when they're all going to get together and there's going to be misinformation and then uh, real information. And we're going to try and sort through Uh, A lot of that. Before we break things down, we have some important news as well. So all of you that have been rating, subscribing, and reviewing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to us out there, I want to keep that going. And thank you so much for doing so because that really helps us get the podcast out there and, uh, you know, gets us uh, more in uh, people's ears, which we very much appreciate. Today on uh, Bleeding Green Nation, on uh, thepatron.com, we have finally 
launch the patron because a, a lot of the staff, especially Tehran, who is new here, and even the old school guys, so Matt and Patrick, Ben, uh, you know, we they, they all do this for free. <laughs> you know, we're all doing this for free. And uh, there's a lot of exciting things that are going on right now. So uh, we have a bunch of tiers on uh, the, the patron page, which is going to allow us to kind of expand our coverage and reward some of these guys. Plus, it's going to give you a lot of bonuses. And I got to tell you, we launched it today. We announced it on Twitter, and it's on the site. And I'm sure it'll be on the uh, the post page as you're listening to this right now. But anything helps. So we have a tier of just a dollar tip, and we would thank you so much and kiss your forehead, and that's what it's there for. Then it just kind of goes up from there. So there's uh, the $3 tier where you're going to see you know, behind-the-scenes videos and pictures and things like that as we kind of – uh, move move forward there, and then the five dollar one is is where it starts getting real exciting. So we're gonna bring back the Eagle after dark, as you know. Uh, we did that a lot on Periscope, and we did it just randomly. We do it uh, questions. So that is the, the the odd side of Eagles and non Eagles podcast, where we just kind of let it loose and, and get into everything. Plus, uh, you'll hear uh, a bunch of after show talk, pre show talk, things like that. Then you go a little further. Then there's the ten dollar tier. Ten dollar tier is going to get you a follow plus all uh, on uh, social media, plus you're, you become an instant producer for BGN Radio, so you'll get the shout-out every time that uh, you donate that monthly, uh, and plus all the other words. And then the top tier that we have right now, which astonishingly, there's a lot of people that <laughs> jumped on this right away, is the $25 tier. So that gets you everything else that I've just talked about already, Plus, you get to come on the podcast yourself and have a nice, whatever it is, five to ten minute segment of whatever you want. You get to be involved. You get to have a, have a little produced segment of your own. You get to collaborate and do all that fun stuff. So whatever you can do is is phenomenal. We will reward you as many ways as we can think uh, throughout this. So like guys like Toronto don't have to constantly pay to fly and hang out in Indianapolis <laughs> and, and do a lot of that stuff. And uh, we can get you more coverage that way along with all the fun bonus stuff uh, right along. So it's it's just the patron.com slash and radio and we would uh, enjoy that as well. And again, we understand it. Money's tight for everybody and money's tight for us too. So just by simply listening, rating, subscribing, and reviewing, that's great. But if you want to go a step further, Patreon or patron, excuse me, dot com. I always want to say that for some reason. <laughs> Patreon. Uh, patron.com slash BGN radio and we would very much appreciate it. Uh, of course, there's a lot of people that want to get paid, and we're <laughs> Ian Rappaport is is doing his best to. This is what the agents are telling me. Speak, and so it's it's starting to get out there, uh, you know, little by little. And you had you know reports of oh Deshaun's Deshaun was the first one. He was early. The links to Tampa, and you had you know X amount of dollars that he's going to be at, et cetera, et cetera. And then today, today, the agents were speaking, and and Tehran, I can't believe this. Kenny Stills. $12 million market value? Are you buying that for one second? Not at all. I'm not buying that. Anybody, you know what, let's just let's keep it clean. I don't think that he's worth that $12 million, just simply because you look at what he's done, and this is something I was talking with Ike Reese on Twitter about earlier today. He is a number three receiver. What he accomplished at Miami is something he accomplished as the number three option. You had Devontae Parker as well as uh, uh Man, how did Land, I? Uh, Landry. Jarvis Landry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had uh, you had those two there as the top targets. So, granted, that is a very nice luxury to have. But twelve million dollars. Let's be serious. When you look in the draft, you'll see next week 
uh, in, in the combine later this week, you'll see a guy who is plenty capable of giving the same type of production that Kenny Stills did in that role, and that's Katie Cannon. And it's I think that's why. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. You talk about someone who can win on the outside, someone that can play the slot, but also just has that ability to just track the football. That's what Kenny Stills coming out of Oklahoma, that's what he was really good at doing, tracking that football when it's in the air, going and getting it. And that's what, what Katie Cannon could do. He's someone who – you know, had an outstanding final game in that in that bowl game. So, long story short, nah, man, I'm passing. <laughs> yes, I mean Kenny Stills, whose numbers have gone down ever since he's, you know, went to, went out of New Orleans. And, and and granted, I love Kenny Stills as an option here at twelve million dollars. No, go fuck yourself, man. That's, like, <laughs> that's that's what I say to that. Like, oh, all right, now we're getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. So that came out this morning, and then all of a sudden, here comes the Adam Schefter train saying, "Guess what? Antonio Brown just signed a new contract, a new extension." And it is the most, you know, wide receiver money in the history of the NFL. So I was like, okay, here's what's really going to determine how it sets the market. So if you're expecting Kenny Stills being at $12 million, you go, oh, man, this might be this might be closer to 20 than we ever think. And, of course, it comes out at about 17 per a year, and that increases uh, in the last three years of his deal at about 18.5. So immediately I go, oh, okay, so Kenny Stills is definitely not making $12 million anymore. That's it. Mm-hmm. They reset the market, which is good for guys like – Jeffrey and and maybe a few others that are there, uh, but I think it it definitely saved free uh, the some of the the, the front offices of the NFL some money because if that's your top tier and it's kind of hard to argue that Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in the league, so I think that actually drops Jeffrey's take on on fifteen million or whatever down. I think it still gets close thirteen fourteen million dollars. Uh, how do you see the rest of the market kind of playing out? Because I I look at Stills as now like a a sub ten guy and. Probably Garcon and Britt are right around there too, but where do you see it uh, shaping up here? I look at it the same way, but when you look at Antonio Brown, the thing that you have to remember is you have to see him on first, second, and third down. But guess what? When your offense is on fourth down, you got to see Mr. Brown also. So you're looking at four opportunities for him to to make plays. So I think his impact is totally different. Not many receivers have had over 130 receptions in back-to-back seasons. I think he is the only person to yes. have done that. And you just look at just – he gets his. That's the bottom line. As long as Roethlisberger is there, he's getting his. So he deserves to be paid like that. Alshon, hey, look, man, I really like his ability to, to go up and get the football. I love his ability to box out. I love how much of a deep threat he is, but – there's an ability that he's not consistently able to provide, and that's availability. And that's why I would not pay him that tier of money. Now, if the Bears, which they've decided that they, it's expected for them not to not use to the franchise yep. tag, that's $17 million, you know. And, hey, look, that's where Antonio Brown is. They're not going to pay him that much. Let's, let's face the facts. But I see him getting 13 to $14 million. I don't see that coming from the Eagles. Nope. A, for, a team like the 49ers could definitely be in play. They have the money to, to burn. Hey, I would even put the, the Browns in the mix because they got money yeah, to burn not? too. But now when you're looking at Kenny Stills, I think the cap for him should be, honestly, if it were me, I wouldn't pay more than $8 million for for Kenny Stills. Now, as far as Deshaun Jackson, you know, he's someone that should be in the 10 to $11 million range. I don't care what you say about age, uh, about, you know, injuries or anything like that. That dude stretches the field. And he's someone that changes – totally the way teams play your, your defenses play your offense you know that the scheme is totally different now Kenny Britt I think that he should be right there in the same range yeah, as Kenny Stills because me personally 
Kenny Britt has been a, a more consistent receiver. You know what you're getting in Kenny Britt, and he already showed that he could be the guy in a lead role. He showed that in, in Tennessee. Last year he showed it in L.A. with the Rams. With, with who was his positional coach? Yeah, exactly. Mike so, Groh. So, so that's his a, first 1,000-yard season. Yeah. Right, so there is definitely a link there. I could see a guy like Kenny Stills, and you look at what he did. If you watch Hard Knocks, uh, John Ritchie has talked about that. You know, I definitely got to plug that show. Oh, yeah, the midday show. As we're recording here at 94 WIP, by the way. Yes, indeed. Right. So uh, Ritchie has talked about, you know, how uh, Kenny Britt was working out with the younger receivers, Farrell Cooper, a guy out of South Carolina who I really like. Yeah. But, you know, he was working out with them and trying to get them acclimated to being an NFL receiver. What better opportunity for him to be the lead guy and, and, and impart the knowledge that he's gained than right here in Philly with his old receiver coach, with a guy bursting with potential in Nelson Aguilar. Look at uh, Jordan Matthews as well. I, I think it's a great opportunity. Kenny Britt is the one, if they're going to sign a free agent receiver, he's the one they need to sign yeah. and still draft a couple guys. Oh, yeah. yeah no, that's, and I think that's been the most popular question is just like what are they going to do? Is it just going to be one and one? Are they going to sign one and draft one? I, I still think they signed two here, guys, honestly. I think you I think they almost have to. Uh, and, and, and when you're hearing things like Adam Kaplan coming on and saying, like, yeah, don't be surprised if there's three new wide receivers in here. I think what's going to determine whether they sign two or one in free agency is really what Jeffrey ends up doing. And you're right. I, I mean, it makes more sense because what are the Bears going to do? What are the Bears going to sell to their fan base if they don't sign Jeffrey? You know, and then you're just you're really going to make a splash trade for Garoppolo or somebody else that you're going through there. Obviously, would be happy that Jake Cutler's you're moving on from them. They want to move on from. I, I'm getting more and more of the impression as this thing kind of comes to a head is. Jeffrey's going to stay in Chicago, and especially mm-hmm. around you know the tag deadline that's coming up here, things get done. It's what Andrew Brand always says. You know, yeah. the, the deadline comes, things get done. So, He's working out in Chicago, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, I think he knows that too. And the same with Terrell Pryor. We know he's going to stay in Cleveland. Yeah. I think that's what everybody else is going to kind of wait and see. And it'll be a lot easier for these guys if they know what Jeffrey's getting paid. If he does come even under that, because now I'm thinking with what you're saying, yeah, I mean. I have to th- you have to step back and think for a second, and I just want to echo Teron's point. Antonio Brown's like the of the most special wide receiver that we've ever seen in a very long in time. A long time. It's yeah. really him and Julio, and th- that's pretty much it. As far as like, yeah, I, wow, I, I got to put Odell in there. Man. Well, like, okay, yeah, but, yeah, but he's shown that he could anyway. be taken out of a game. Yes, you know, mentally. So, oh yeah, more more than a few times. <laughs> but uh, at the at the same time, you're like, okay. That's the best, the best of the best at the position, and just like you're saying, Jeffrey's probably not there. So, I, I think that gives a lot of a, le- a leverage. And I know people are keep even I said it at the top of the show. Guys like Joe Corey, who's a, a fantastic cap guy and things mm-hmm. like that, are like, oh yeah, they reset the market. I was like, yeah, but I, I really do think that gives you a little more leverage. So I am I am a little more excited towards the price being driven down for the rest of the guys as it goes down. So the next you know egg to kind of drop there is is Jeffrey's price. And, man, if that can get into 12 or $13 million, then you really have leverage for the next few guys that are coming through. Because I still really do want a combination of Stills and Britt here. I think that would be a good combo with the rest of the guys that are here. Doesn't really force you into anything. You can draft a wide receiver in the first or second round if you really want to and if the board t- dictates that. But, again, and I, and I can't believe that suddenly Mike Mayock says a couple of names that Teron's been saying for a long time, and then everybody's jumping on board. Oh, yeah, I, I, works, I, I, I totally thought that. I totally thought that the whole time. So he mentions a guy like John Ross. He mentions Sidney Jones, and you're just like, well, yeah. I mean, that's what Teron's been pumping out for the last three to four months here. So, of course. so I And, and again, that kind of gets me 
It gets me excited, man. And uh, I, I don't know. We were talking about it with John Marks because he's doing his show here, though. But you think John Ross does slip into the second round at any point? I think there's definitely a shot of him slipping because, let's be honest, teams are, are afraid of, of guys with injury history, and, and he has that. But at the same time, that gift is also a curse. You know, just the fact that he's been able to fight through those, the fact that he is in need of surgery, but he's going through the combine and his pro day, that shows me that he's tough. What did Joe Douglas say he wants in players? Mental toughness. It takes mental toughness to be able to go out there and, and run that gauntlet drill with a jacked up shoulder, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to sprint. Like, hey, listen, man, when you're running that fast, that 4-3 type of speed, you are using your upper body. You're using your core, you know. And when you're pumping your arms, man, that's your shoulder, too, that, that's going into that. I think he may slip, but at the same time, man, that guy go out, goes out there and runs that 4-3-3, that 4-3-1 that I think he'll run. Teams are going to fall in love with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the NFL has the need for speed. Yeah, and he's still, I think, as a narrative, is still not exactly what it <laughs> what he really is. You know, people still kind of – I wouldn't say – I think people have gotten off the one-pony trick yeah, of his by now, that. but there's still like that – because he runs fast, that's all his game is. And it's and obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you you both know that that's, that is not true. We both know that. That's, that, that's just silly. The other thing I noticed, too, is that Mike Mayock today compared Sidney Jones to Marcus Peters. I don't see that at all uh, as far as, like, the style of play or anything like that. But I can see what he's trying to say in terms of maybe impact. That the he would one, have there. Is and, that what he's trying and, to say? And there's your point. The one thing that these guys are similar to each other. And, oh, by the way, when Marcus Peters got suspended, you know who played corner? John Ross. Oh, is that right? And it's just you know something else that he could do. Damn, I'm not man. saying Woo. that he's a, a, a NFL level corner, but I just wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, get back to we Sidney are Jones. sunshine pumping the hell out of John Ross, and that's okay. Yeah. Hey, I tell your agent to call me too, yeah. man. I need that <laughs> check in the mail. Yeah. But when you look at Sidney Jones, though, the thing that he and Marcus Peters have. Uh, that is similar is the ability to turn the football over. And that's something as a defensive player, when you're able to get that ball back into your offense's hands, that's crucial. And also, the guy will score you some touchdowns. You know, he's he's had some scooping scores. He had a couple pick sixes. That's where the similarities are. They both are really good as far as ball skills are concerned as well. But I honestly, and Marcus Peters is probably my favorite cornerback prospect in like the last four or five years, wow. but I think Sidney Jones' footwork is even better. Wow, that's and, pretty awesome. And, you know, when I look at Sidney Jones and I look at comps, the guy I compare him to is Kevin Johnson, the one who was drafted in the first round by the, the Texans, Texans yeah. a couple years ago. He was hurt last year, but same type of player. Not the biggest guy, but they play bigger than their body as they have that D-O-G in them, that dog, dog, mm -hmm. dog, and they compete on every snap. They're not afraid to tackle that's what I see. They're, they are pretty much the same player. And obviously, Johnson was a first-round pick. Sidney Jones will be a top-20 pick, if you ask me. Yeah, well, that's – and, uh, yeah, they can't really disagree with that, which will be, again, very interesting to see what happens as after this combine happens, who's going to turn heads. And uh, we want to talk about that for a little bit, too. But i got to tell you, if you are not already on the Clip It, the hottest app that is out there, uh, I don't know what you're doing, especially for now. Combine is nothing but – Awesome videos yeah. at all times. I mean, seriously, if you even if you're at work and you can't really catch the NFL Network because who's got the NFL Network on at work or whatever, if it's on your phone and you, if you see something through your timeline, you're just like, oh my god, did you see the three cone drill of of such and such or this guy's forty or whatever? You can just, 
easily go back there. Again, it's live television in the palm of your hand, and you can go back to what's happening right now all the way back to two hours. If you miss something, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to I gotta go grab that. That's so awesome. our fame, our BGN radio fame, and I, I can't remember. I think it was it was a definitely a defensive tackle, but whosoever's nuts fell out of their pants when they were running the 40 last oh, year. Oh, yeah, my man, I went to the Chiefs. <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember his name oh, now. I for some, name, yeah. is it Chris, Chris, I Chris, say, Chris Jones? I want to say yeah, something like that. I think yeah. that's right. So, unfortunately for him, it came out, and I, all I did randomly tweeted at that point was like, "I have no idea what it would feel like if I went to a job interview and my nuts <laughs> came out." All of a sudden, it's up to seven hundred and fifty thousand views. So everybody kind of used that. It, that could be you, and that's what's great about the combine, whatever it is, or a slip. Or I remember last year there was also. Wasn't somebody saying, oh, somebody's commenting on Carson Wentz, I believe, and saying, like, well, Browns fans, there's your number one failure at quarterback or something wow. on the transition to leave. And, and I, I, I think it was, like, Andrew Siciliano or whatever that guy's name is that oh, Siciliano. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, made that remark when they, you know, they're supposed to be off air and then all of a sudden it slipped back in. So <laughs> that's what's great about all this, the catching the live TV, catching the highlights, clipit.tv. Uh, if you want more information, it's in the uh, Apple and Google Store. Download it immediately. You'll need it for the combine, Get that. which is where Tehran is going to be. And everybody wants to know, so who is it that you are really excited to look at? Who's who's a couple of guys that you're just like, man, I, I really want to see if the tape matches up with their ability here? Well, uh, first name that comes to mind is Joe Williams. I, I can't wait to see how fast he's going to run. I think he's going to be one of the fastest guys. And I just love his story. You know, you look at the way he, he fought the, the mental illness, not mental illness, but the mental fatigue that he had uh, weighing on him from his sister dying. I mean, the guy watched his younger Wait sister die, you know, and it, it just continued to weigh on him. And he had to remove himself from football last year. Uh, and, and then he came back, and he just he's explosive. So I want to see him. Uh, he's one that I want to see. Another guy I want to see, and, I mean, yeah, I'm a little biased because he has my last name. You know, I call him <laughs> Lil' Cuz, and, and that's uh, the 6'6", 310-pound Julian Davenport, a guy who I think should be in the Eagles' plans in the fourth round just simply because he's someone that you could have take over for Jason Peters when you let him go in 2018. But at the same time, he's from Paulsboro. He was an all-city, all-state, I think it was, center. So you know the footwork's going to be there. So I want to see a guy like him go in there and wow the personnel folks and scouts with how athletic he is. The Dancing Bear moniker, that's what I called, you, you yeah, know, used for him earlier in my article. I, he's someone I, I definitely want to see. Uh, I want to see Sidney Jones, man. You know, those, those field drills, that gives you an opportunity to see how – uh, loose a guy's hips or how much he could he could turn and run and how he could track the football and that's what you'll see with him that's where Marcus Peters stood out you know he ran a four five forty Trey Wayne's wearing a four three nine and everybody said draft Wayne's and not Peters I said Peters but you know we don't have to get into that but when you look at just some of the guys that <laughs> that are going to go out there and, and show off at that combine I can't wait to see that I can't wait to see teams see the length of a guy like an Akilah Witherspoon you know a Tristan Deku I can't wait yeah. for them to see just those guys the, you had mentioned about a couple of weeks with Ben which yeah is exactly, I mean yeah. Weatherspoon you talk about the length and, and the footwork they both have it same thing with Deku man I saw his click and close and I saw him him make a baseball turn and and, and run with a guy on a double move and I said man to be 6'3 200 pounds and able to do that, that's special. And Deku has that. Tristan Deku is, is out of Oregon State. He's a guy to definitely look at. 
Um, I want to see Paul Moreau also. They're saying that he's going to run a fast 40. He was, when I was at the um, the uh, uh, East-West Shrine Week, he was the first guy I saw Joe Douglas go and talk to. And he's the one that these guys kind of hyped up and said a first-round pick possibility. I don't think so. Yeah, but, no. you know, I just want, I want to see these guys as athletes go out and perform. I want to see a Josh Reynolds, you know, uh, track the football the way he does in the field drills. I, I want to see – I mean, there's so many guys. I mean, look, I want to see Deshaun Watson. I'm not talking about oh, yeah, he was perspective. Just, for, just to see where it's at. I want to see him go out there and light it up and throw the football the way he can. There shouldn't be a discussion about who's the top quarterback in this draft. Well, I can't even believe that. I can't – well, that's the thing with that, too. It's like it, I, I, get the, I get all the points on Kaiser – I even I can hear the, the the Mahomes thing and sure like yeah maybe and that, and again I think it's part of what we talked about last week too where it's just this constant overcorrection I don't know what Deshaun Watson really has to do I mean Jesus the guy even just even if you just look at him in the fourth quarter sixteen touchdowns two interceptions passer ratings are great I know that fourth quarter comebacks are kind of overrated or you know just playing in that quarter is a little bit overrated or sticking with that but it means something you know mm-hmm. and, and like constantly. Trying to, from his junior tape even to his senior tape, there are things that didn't really work that well team-wise. And, like, I don't know. If you're trying to sell me on Galman and all those guys, like, oh, those are real playmaking studs. I, there was a lot of – run game kind of disappeared this year. So it, it, it came all down on him, and I think he made more positive strides if you're looking for that. Yeah. I can't believe that people are actually thinking, yeah, I, I mean, I get the Miles Garrett thing because that's probably, a, you know, a, a Khalil Mack type of – Type of feel as a pass rusher, and the Cleveland Browns can really do anything. If he falls out of the top ten, I don't know. I'll punch myself in the face. I have no idea how he how yeah. he does. Hey, look, man, it happens every year. Teams get caught up in, in in the wrong prospect, and and a guy you know rises up the board, and a guy that's been consistently good, like a Deshaun Watson, tends to get pushed down. It, it happens. Look at uh, Teddy B, man. You know Bridgewater. Yeah, same thing. You know, consistently. God, rest in peace, by the man, way. God damn. I, I hope that that he is able to figure out a way to come back, but that injury is tough, man. You, you know. I think he's. I think, yeah, I mean, from everybody, everybody from Minnesota's camp looks like that's going to take some time there. And uh, speaking of good and bad, because uh, this was a good point from our good friend Jerry the Asman, as usual. Which player <laughs> at the combine is going to change your mind the most, either in a good way or a bad way? Uh, is the is there anybody there that is just like oh my gosh like that I I was completely wrong I have to go look at the tape or this is exactly what I was thinking and it was even better I'm not that guy the combine will not, <laughs> not, sway, not sway me you. either way it'll make me go back and say okay let me just check it out like uh, Byron Jones you know um, when he jumped out the the stadium it, you know which is incredible yeah hey that was great you know I remember standing there watching on the on the screen and one of the personnel guys was like oh. Look, man, I went back and watched this film. <laughs> a guy named Adrian Coxon, who ended up with the with the Packers, but he had a, a severe concussion, ate him alive for like 70 yards, you know? So I, I'm not one to allow the combine. Chris Conley is another one. He worked out really well yeah. uh, a couple years ago, coming out of Georgia, and everybody said, oh, draft him, draft him, draft him. He's all – you go back Nothing and watch right the now. film, you don't see anything. Then so, it, yeah, hasn't really done anything in Kansas City either. Hey, look, man, the eye in the sky, that's that's what I go by. It, you know what I mean? Numbers, you know, like we said last week, are like bikinis. You know, they show a lot, but don't show everything. <laughs> so don't give me the, the, the 40 time and all that stuff and, and expect me to, to have a different opinion of a prospect. One guy I want to see because, um, again, I was telling Teron this before he even came on, I have not watched a lot of linemen. I have not. And Teron's telling me about Roderick Johnson. At a yeah. Florida State here, yeah. and 
even as, you know, again, a top-tier guy that might fall into that second-round category because there are so many people that are high on Cam Robinson and a bunch of others that are going through there. But explain to me what you see about this guy uh, on tape. And, you know, that's that's Dalvin Cook's left-hand man there. Yeah, you know, he's it's the, the athleticism, the space, so. you know, and the long arms that you see from him. I mean, he's not a, a brutally strong type of guy, but he's able to open up those holes. We're talking about someone who came in – and in his first year there, he caused a guy in Cameron Irvin, who was drafted in the first round, to change positions. Anytime you could do that as a first-year player, you are special, right? You watch the bowl game where Dalvin Cook had that long run. You know who sealed the edge and allowed him to, to get outside? None other than Roderick Johnson. There he is. Yeah. And I know, and we talked about this before we jumped on, some people like to scout schools, which I don't think is the right thing to do. But, hey, look. Plus it's USC. <laughs> the last time that that uh, you know they got a, a left tackle out of Florida State, his name was Trey Thomas. You know, so he did not suck. <laughs> not at all. I think he's Hall of Fame. Yeah, potential, absolutely. You know, and, and when you look at, at at a guy who could come in and take over, and again, this is the way you need to look at the offensive line position. You need to draft guys for the future. You know, to groom with your current and future quarterback in Carson Wentz. You need somebody to protect that left side. I'm totally against Lane Johnson being moved to the left because I don't think you take a guy who's a top three right tackle and turn him to a left tackle. You let him play where he is. You need bookends now. Go find the next guy. Groom him. Peters, let him play this year. Unfortunately, next year, you know, it's going to be time to send him to the greener pastures, and that's just the way this league works. Yeah, and that's right. And I know. Listen, Teron's a little short on time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep some some of the things going. There is one question from our good friend Matt Gumbrecht, which I think is very fascinating, because I I, I seriously have to give this some thought for a while. But obviously, Teron played at a much higher level than I did when it came to football. But if you could right now run the forty. What do you think your 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 target time would be right now? Well, I tell you one thing, I'm gonna try to hit that four or five four oh that I used to God, have. Four, five, uh, four. <laughs> no, not right now, but I'm gonna oh, try know, even you then, know, even when, then when I'm I leave, by it. I'm yeah. gonna try to hit that. But I, I would say four eight at best, you know. Uh, it, it's tough, man. I'm, I'm 40 years old, man. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not the same guy that I was before. So uh, I still would give it a shot for sure. Yeah, it's. A, I think uh, I, I feel confident that I could beat Rich Eisen. So that's that's yeah. where that's where I'm at. I used to run, you know, as the lineman. I was I was a five one guy, and that was way back when I was about sixty pounds lighter. So I think, I think six is not out of the question. I think I could still confidently hit six. As long as you be rich, <laughs> man, <laughs> you got to do that. Yeah, you know, we might have to. Have that to might do that. be an idea. Run, rich, run. <laughs> film your own. I, yeah, I mean, hey, why not? Uh, that's uh, you know what? Maybe that we'll add that to the to the mix. That'll be part of the video series, which you should go do. On uh, on patreon.com slash BGN radio. We'll add that to the $3 thing. So we might set up the 40 time, and you got to be a subscriber to kind of go and see that. So that would be fun. Let's do it. I did want to ask you about this, though, because it did come up. With Jason Peters being here, obviously Benny Logan's probably not going to be here still. Do you think how much of that will impact their free agency looks here? You know, because we talked about the market with, with, uh, with wide receivers. We still don't know exactly what that market is. For cornerbacks, we don't know what you know Kirkpatrick is going to make. We don't know what Gilmore is going to make. How much of that really will impact that eleven million dollars that they're going to owe to Jason Peters impact their free agent signings? Because there are a lot of whispers, and I'm still on this train too. And I understand everybody's point. You don't just throw Lane Johnson over there and expect it to be okay. But at the same time, if 
<laughs> I don't know. If that allows you to go get an extra guy that you might need for a longer term, does, do you think that it affects kind of how they're at now? Or they're, they're pretty much sold on on Peterson. They're not going to cut him I, anyway. But yeah, I think, think that's a mistake. On Peterson being yeah. there. And it, you're right. It would be a mistake. At this point, you know, it's all about Carson Wentz and his development. And one of the things you can't take away from a quarterback unless you want him to fail is his protection, right? So you need to have a viable option at left tackle if you're going to take him away. And at this point right now, uh, I, I don't I don't like moving Johnson over the left and having Big V as a right tackle. Nothing against no, Big no, V yeah. because he's a, a, a an upper, up-and-comer too, and they're going to have some a decision to make with him in the near future also. But – you know, at the he same still needs time. time, yeah, yeah, regardless. And, yeah. and at the same time, I mean, no, I, I, I don't think when you look at the hierarchy of positions in the league, quarterback, left tackle, you know, right defensive end, corner, then maybe receiver. You know, so at this point right now, who do you have out there that could be more impactful than a left tackle who will give you Pro Bowl caliber protection? I don't think there is anybody. And, again, I'm not paying Alshon Jeffrey if I'm the Eagles. I'm not paying Alshon, you, you know, the money that, that he wants because he's proven that he cannot consistently be available. And even when he's available – he stay off the vitamins. Well, I mean, that's another <laughs> deal that he has, you know. But even when Already he's one available – one of those on this team, yeah. You know, even when he's available, he still is not top tier. He's right Second underneath tier. those yeah, guys. Yeah. Yep. You know, so at this point right now, draft – a guy that can be your future left tackle. You cannot invest more money in that defensive line, right? And if you're going to shop, do it on the bargain level, you and, know. And that kind of leads us. Alex is checking an underscore Lex Luger, which what's up, dude? I love that. Uh, do the Eagles have to take advantage of the free agent signings in general while Wentz is under the, the his rookie contract? So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I know we were talking about this a little beforehand, but I, I don't think they need to do any of that because that's essentially it's what the draft is for. Yeah, and kind of be on the same alignment and the same scale, although a year behind with Wentz, and that's going for it. I mean, sure, you would want still, you would still want a couple of window guys just in case that they were there. So that's kind of the semi upside with Stills and and uh, I don't know what, what is how old is Kenny Britt by the way? Is he creeping towards Britt, Britt is twenty eight or twenty nine. Okay, so there yeah. is there is some of that there, but again, it's it's the guys like Britt and those who will mentor those rookie classes mm-hmm. coming in is more essential. That's that's what's there. I don't think they need to take advantage of this mainly because there's nothing not a lot to take advantage of in this. Yeah, I, I think what Lex is getting at and, and the model was really it was set up very nicely by the 49ers and Seahawks in that you have a quarterback who you're not paying a ton of money to, right? When you had Kaepernick, when you had Russell Absolutely. Wilson, you know, playing their best under their second round and third round draft pick status, you know, the the contract, you're able to go out and invest, you know, but at the same time, you look at what the Seahawks did. They said, forget what you think. We're going to draft who we want when we want them because he fits our scheme. Right, and they and did that. That's really that's what, really what made Seattle good. I mean, you sprinkle in a guy like a Cliff of Real, you know, which was a really good signing. You know, you sprinkle in those type of signings, and yeah, you could definitely spend more money at other positions, and then you could re up your guys like Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, while your quarterback is still under that low uh, budget uh, salary cap number. But at the same time, Wentz was the number two pick overall, and he still does hold some. Uh, 
contract value, and in addition to that, you have a backup who is at $7 million. So you have money tied up in the quarterback position still, even though you don't have that big $20 million nugget that a lot of other teams have in their quarterback. So it's a good point by Lex, but it's a little bit of a different situation. And then, as you mentioned, there aren't really those guys out there that I would go splurge on. There are guys – this is a, a bargain shopping type of environment as far as free agency is concerned. This is a guy in, in Drake or Patrick that you sign at a lower level lower contract cost, yeah. than a Stephon Gilmore. You don't overpay $14 million for a guy who is not a top five corner. You don't do that. You don't overpay – uh, thirteen to fourteen million dollars for a guy who's a not not a a top tier receiver and b not a consistently available receiver. You don't do that. As if we haven't learned that already with cornerbacks and over. <laughs> you know, it's just like every every single year uh, that kind of happens. Uh, would you rather? This is from uh, Petrio. Uh, I apologize if I'm screwing that up. Uh, would you rather go corner corner or receiver receiver in the first two rounds? If you like, you know. In the ultimate ultimate school, I think if it if it really is just you're talking about positions specifically there, I'd probably go corner corner just based on on depth alone. Yeah, so. I mean you're going to get two of the better prospects because of how deep it is. But I mean that's a, a tough question. A not knowing what's happening in free agency, and B not knowing who's on the board because again the OJ Howard elephant has to be presented I mean you know if he's there you have to consider him we talked about Roderick Johnson you know you have to consider him if he's there in the second round so now all of a sudden you're not going corner corner receiver receiver you're going corner a position that you did not expect to have a guy there parameters of the question to Ron I'm an out of the outside the box kind of guy you know I can't help it (laughs) no and I, I completely agree in the context of that question corner corner in the terms of everything I don't care I'm with you. Get the guy who you think is going to be the most impactful on this football team for the next six years or seven exactly. or eight or whatever is going on through there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as we're uh, rolling light along here, David uh, Chapman has a pretty good one here. What are the chances that the Eagles add two rookie cornerbacks? He's a big fan of uh, Samaji Piran, obviously. Jihad Thomas uh, are the two that he likes for the birds, but uh, likelihood that they add two in the draft as opposed to just one or none. Two rookie running backs? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't would, say uh, it's yeah. likely. I, I would say I, it's. I would say it's almost. It's, it's barely likely that they add one. Yeah. I think. I think you can say that. But I say they add one, and you'll see uh, an undrafted rookie free agent come in. Uh, I think you'll see that type of situation, like Cedric O'Neill well, when they signed him last year, who was a, a, a decent back. You know, a bigger guy, but. I think you'll see that type of situation. But I'm telling you, Devion Smith out of Michigan is a name that is always going to be in the mix because I know he and Deuce Staley had a a solid relationship. Uh, They developed that down there in in Tampa at the East-West Shrine game with with Deuce as his positional coach. So that's something that's already shown that that Deuce has some pool. I mean, he had a lot to do with the Wendell Smallwood pick. Absolutely. who knows? You could see Devion Smith here. Now, what happens if they get a Jamal Williams and a Devion Smith is there later on? And, hey, you know what? You might just see two. Best guy. I'm yeah. saying I don't think it's likely that you see two. I think it's almost definite you'll see one. Yeah, and I, and not that we're saying that they shouldn't draft two. I mean, fine, if it's just like you're saying, if it's there, I think we'd both be down for that. But, uh, yeah, un- unlikely for two as we go. Uh, Jay underscore Sexton, uh, or Jaden, excuse me, underscore Sexton is – how many new starters would you guess that the Eagles have next year 
on both sides of the ball. Both sides is, of the ball. Which is uh, interesting. So I'll say defense. Two corners. At least two corners. One defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. That's um, three. And I think that's pretty much it. I don't think you'll see any other movement there. Yeah, I don't see much else. Two new wide receivers, I would guess. Ooh. Either via free agency and or draft. I think that I think that is definitely there. At least one. I think we yeah, can both agree on this one. If they if they play that that um, three receiver set, I could I could. Wow, that's yeah, tough, man. Because I, I still think Nelson's going to start, and I think obviously with the three receiver set, you're going to have Matthews in the slot. So, hey. There's this thing called competition that brings out the best in everybody. So <laughs> and I hope you're right. They could they could set it up and, and really have a, a nice situation where it's going to be, hey, look, man, survival of the fittest. And I think at this point, like, I, we all know what Nelson has done, and I think you just got to go with that. It's kind of going to be the same thing as last year with him. You know, I just I, – again, Teron and I are probably the only two people on the planet think he's – you know, it's. I still believe that he is still not that bad to be average, at least at that bar. You know, so uh, man, you know that third year. This is this is kind of it. This is it. it. This is really when he's going to have to shed that whole label of bust and 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 show what he could do. And I, I think this is a, an opportunity for him to do so. The guy's talented, man. All right, so we can at least agree one new wide receiver. Right. Uh, and let's see. You're going to have running a, back. You're going to have a new center. You're going to have a new running back. Mm, new center. You think Kelsey's oh, gone? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No oh. doubt. I mean, you can't just. It's impossible to like have all this stuff. Even if you get rid of Barwin, you still need some of that money. And I think they're ready to move on from Kelsey. I want to see. I really want to see because you know. You it'd just to. be weird because your third round pick is going to sit in a backup role again for two years in a row. It's really, really hard, and you, and you can save money while you're doing it. You know, what do they say? Like one point eight? No, a little them? more. I think it's about four million dollars that they save, or so. Somebody can correct me on that if I'm wrong, I but th- I thought his, it was. I, I thought think it was his, up above. his figure is four point eight. We'll look at yeah. Well, Teron looks that up, so we'll say at least one receiver, one new running back. Where else would you go? Tight end's going to stay the same. <laughs> right tackle is going to stay the same. Guard is probably another one, at least that. So you you think you think Barber's not a starter next year? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be here either. I, you know, he's someone I put in there as a possible cut. Yeah, you're right. So it's it's uh, they save they save just short of four million. Okay, his so, dead cap is two point four. His cap hit is six point two. So I think there's again there's going to be some uh, you know they're obviously trying to do it with Barwin. I also think they're trying to do it with Kelsey. As well, just to try and find something that's going through there. So if I, if it's up to me. I think there's four new starters on offense and three new starters on defense. I think you can kind of, kind of look that's forward to that. That's a good amount of turnover. It's, again, you know, you know but it happens. eventually it's got to end at some point. But for now, and again, going into the next season, you're still not done yet. You know, you're going to have to find that left tackle again and trying to move on from there. So it'll be it'll be interesting when this when the, we talk about continuity a lot. But when is it ever going to come? <laughs> You know, hopefully, hopefully that struggle won't go through there. Uh, uh, Sandiata checking in, our good friend at uh, Beware the Fox too. Who's by the way won two contests to head the Eagles games this past season. He oh, came yeah? to the draft party, which by the way we're still trying to figure out what we're what we have planned at least for the time being. And I haven't told Toronto this for the first time, but where where we are right now in the WIP studios, we're trying to plan like the analysis happening here. And then the drafts party happening at a spot, and we will be 
simulcasting that through Facebook. So there'll be cameras in studio at the party. We'll be checking in with people there as we're watching the draft and things are going on. So everybody can be involved. We're trying to figure out the parameters, <laughs> That's cool. how, that, how that would work. So uh, if Tehran is available and around, I know he likes to be down at the press conferences when uh, you know pick selections are happening. It's going to be in Philadelphia. There's going to be a lot going on. So trust us. We're trying to get it all together. Hopefully we'll have an announcement uh, by the end of Combine sometime around there of, of, uh, of what's going on there. But I promise we are working on that. Uh, this is coming from Jack at Jack P. Lamb. If you grade the prospects, is it then okay to change the grade uh, if one does a great or poorly coming out of the combine. So I bet Jack is asking, are you changing the grade based on anything that these players do in the combine? I think you've pretty much no, answered that already. You don't. You don't. I, I think the combine is is where you reinforce your grades. You know, a guy like a John Ross, okay, you know he's fast, all right? You see him run that speed, you go back and, hey, you know what, I watched him run right by so-and-so. Yeah, that's legit. You know, I, I think that's really what, what happens. I, I think that's where you, you watch a, a, a running back, you know, have his – or you, no, more importantly, you watch a defensive end, right? Guys like Miles Garrett, uh, guys like Jordan Willis, um, uh, Derek Barnett, Ka, uh, Carl Lawson, you're going to look at not their 40, you're going to look at their 10-yard split, right? And Absolutely. when you see that 10-yard split, that's going to tell you how well they get off the ball. I think Deion Dawkins, the right uh, – the guard – coming out of Temple. I think he's someone to watch in the 10-yard split. That's what you're watching with these bigger guys, and that's showing you how they fire off the ball. So if you see a guy that you don't see firing off the ball on the field, but he has a really fast 10-yard split, you're going to go back and you're going to take a closer look at those get-offs that he has because you're going to say, okay, well, is this part of the scheme? Is, is he supposed to do something different than just come off the ball? Like it, it will change how you look at some of the games because you're going to go back looking for that athleticism to show up, but at the same time, it shouldn't change your overall grade. I'm going to disagree slightly with Tehran, which is always usually a bad idea, but no. specifically with I, – I agree overall. I think when it comes to pass rushers – that's the only reason when I will change some things up because mm. you mentioned Barnett and he's one of the guys that, uh, and to go back to Jerry, the Asman's question, I don't think I really had answered. I, I have questions about his athletic ability. I want to see some spider charts on some of these guys. Same with Solomon Thomas. Mm. Like I'm, I, I know that there's been a large discussion, especially with him about, yes, the, obviously the athleticism is there. I, I just want to see really how strong he is because there are some people that are putting him at defensive tackle in some schemes which I think is very odd I think you know where he kind of, I think he kind of fits in certain situations just like not, he's not Vinnie Curry but in those roles of yeah he could get away with doing some, some of this and some of that and, yeah. and stun yeah. and what, like a NASCAR yeah. Tackle. So, yeah so and I think I think that for me changes the and granted it's a crapshoot with with pass rushers anyway but I, I most of the time I will bet on the athletes a lot more than everything that he shows me on tape. So because I know it's so hard to develop as a pass rusher coming out the first couple of years into the league here. So I think that's that's an important thing for me. The, the strength to get off the ten yard splits, as you're mm -hmm. saying, with those guys. Because I have I have questions about Barnett. I have questions about Thomas. Yeah. You know the thing that you also have to factor in is sometimes you have guys that are just just football players. You know I think Chris Borland. You know, up until whatever happened with the concussion issue, I think that he was a football player. You know, I saw him in person, <laughs> and he wasn't the the most attractive looking athlete. But at the end of the day, 
The guy plays football. Uh, someone who they call the greatest quarterback of all time, you look at him, and especially at the combine, you look at him, you say, what the heck is this? You know, but <laughs> yeah. when it, the pads go on and the lights come on and it's time to get down, he gets down. Tom Brady is a much more much more of a football player than he is an athlete. And those are the type of things that – because, you know, a lot of times you have these guys who, you know – I, I, <laughs> Uh-oh, good story coming. <laughs> I remember – I remember when I transferred from Dell State to Cheney, right? And, and I'm not going to say any names, but they had a receiver, and he w- he was from down south. And I, I, I remember seeing him, and he came out, man, talking about pretty. He came out, he had the wristband on, over on his elbow. <laughs> One of those guys. The wristband yeah. on, on, his, on his wrist. They had told me that he was a really fast track runner, so I'm like, dang. Got to get you. Got to get your shoes on. I said, "Yeah, let me lace these <laughs> things up a little bit tighter. Put the tape on." Yeah. I thought I was Tim Brown with the tape on my nice. fingers. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let, we're gonna we're gonna go out there and 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 do what we have to do to to stand our ground. And I remember first time he lined up, released off the ball, was running a go route, hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. <laughs> right. And he must have felt like a million bucks at that. So point. I'm like, oh. He may not be the guy that I really think he was. And I say all that to say a lot of times you have these guys that are outstanding athletes that are, are, are so fast and so strong. I remember we had a dude transfer from Pittsburgh, and he came in, and he was lifting the whole weight room. And I was like, yo, I do not want to contact yeah, yeah. him across the middle. No way. He Been was it. none of that. you know. And, and that's what happens a lot of times. You have these guys who have everything on the athletic side of things, but – there's this thing inside your chest called a heart. And you have to have a certain type of heart to play football. And you could be as athletic as you want to be. If you don't have that heart, forget it. And that's why I don't put as much stock in immeasurables, you know, in the spider charts and those type of things. Oh, and I definitely don't think you should. No, no, yeah, absolutely. I, I think they're good guides, but and they're good things to, to take you back to what you're watching and, and reinforce what you're seeing on tape. But – in no way whatsoever would I allow that to change my whole opinion of a prospect. And I think the Eagles, back with Ray Rhodes and Mike Mamula, proved why you can't do that. Oh, yeah. And there is – and, yeah, I'm definitely not saying, like, oh, he proves more in the combine. Now, now he's moving up the reins or whatever. Yeah. It's more or less just to check out, okay, I have questions about that tape in particular. Is what he does in the workout room as a pass rusher. Is that going to show up towards the NFL? And even sometimes then it's just kind of like, well, I have no idea. You it's kind of like it's kind of like a pretty girl, you know. You, you you finally you know get get your chance to be intimate with a pretty girl. You you look at her feet and she has pretty feet. You're like, okay, we're good. She's a winner. You know what I mean? And that's pretty <laughs> much how it works. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the yeah. Checks and balances side of things. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's definitely that. But again, no, Tehran's right. Like the, the, always go back to the tape with 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 pretty much anything. And it is funny that you mentioned that because obviously it's not. Your story reminds me of all of the the wreck like basketball and or touch football leagues that you kind of get on and they do the, <laughs> the same thing where they dr- they dress up like a million bucks yeah. and be like yeah this is uh, oh I used to play college ball and all this other stuff and then they get there and can't shoot a shot can't catch a ball can't first throw a shot almost breaks the back yeah you're just like oh man why'd we why'd we pick this guy first this is incredible um, I I tell you what I think that is I just want to double check here and make sure that's it for questions but. Uh, yeah, that uh, that will do it. I tell you what is going to happen, though, is 
Uh, myself and Ben Natan will be back on, or later on this week as we're just kind of touching on things. And obviously, like we said, Tehran will uh, be reporting back from the Combine all week. Speaking of Ben Natan, I don't know if everybody heard this or not yet either because that every time that he posts uh, something on, on BGN, whether it's, it's quarterback rankings or a certain prospect, the comment threads are just vicious, awful. And that it, means people again, are reading. Oh yeah, which which is a good thing, and and it's very split. But uh, and obviously Ben Ben does some of that stuff on his own. He, he fully admits that. But because of this, if you are celebrating this, if you hate Ben Natan, and just like we do, and just like a lot of the community does, <laughs> officially now on the BGN Radio Store, which is part of uh, the T Public, so tpublic.com, search BGN Radio. I hate Ben Natan gear is in there. Definitely in there. So it's the shirts, it's the hoodies, the mugs, everything. I hate Benetton. If you do, and if you're empowering, you know, uh, of just the, all of that fire and fear, and you want to express that uh, to your parents, to your girlfriend, to whoever, I hate Benetton. Now in the BGN Radio Store, so that uh, that'll be exciting there. But uh, Teron, any uh, any final thoughts before we head out of here, my friend? Final thoughts on the combine. Oh, you know what? Not final thoughts because okay. I just remembered. I completely forgot about it, something that. I thought was interesting. Jeff Mosier had suggested Uh-oh. that my guy Jeff. That's th- my guy. Too. <laughs> no, Jeff was awesome. We we love him dearly. Uh, had had mentioned that maybe kind of sort of Jeffrey Laurie was more in win now mode, and Howie was more in like just be patient mode. Uh, does that should that scare anyone moving into this offseason? And it it lines up with pretty much what's been happening at least for the last. Year and a half, two years, whatever. He's kind of sticking his his nose in there, and obviously, you know, owners are going to be a part of the football team in one way or the other. But if there is personnel decision making, if there's things like that making it kind of continues, I, I guess what signs would you say? Okay, that might be happening if if that is happening this season. Well, I think him going down to the Senior Bowl. I think that definitely is an indicator. See, James, you're not crazy. James, you're not crazy. He said the same thing. I I think that's a strong indicator. I mean, there weren't many owners at at the Senior Bowl, right? Now, if he as an owner is there and he's picking their brain as far as how they're going about watching these guys, I think that should cause some some fear among fans who don't want the team to to get into a win now and and, – Hey, look, obviously you want your team to win, but you don't want your team to make desperate moves. And I think that's what they have to try to avoid. And that's where I think that Joe Douglas influence is going to help. That's where I think Howie Roseman is going to help as well as far as the way he can massage the cap. But, yeah, I, I would be a little a little concerned. But, I, I mean, Delorey has showed that he's going to allow the guys that he has in place to make those decisions. But who knows what could happen I mean, if you have somebody there, you know, if Mike Williams is there and, and, and somebody else is there that might be a, a bigger help, will he push them to get Mike Williams? Hey, listen, we got to get Carson a guy. Yeah, we got to get a thing. Yeah. So yeah. it just – that's where I think it could get a little hairy. Uh, I would love to, to figure out how that whole – not even figure out, but to, to witness how that whole draft conversation goes, you know, in the war room. But, uh, man, I would be concerned, yeah. Yeah, so if there's anybody, you know, like the rogue White House account, you know, maybe maybe there can be a rogue front office Eagles <laughs> account that maybe can give us a little hint on what's going on there. But either way, uh, it's a it's going to be a very exciting free agency. I don't know if everybody's going to be happy about it. Uh, same with the draft too. Uh, there's there's a lot of intrigue, more or less because it's unknown and we're not exactly sure what kind of the imprints that Joe Douglas wants or the owner wants or how he wants. So 
again, it's a very important offseason, and we are all kind of clenching our butts collectively to help and hope that there is something very positive that comes out for Carson Wentz to make that kind of second-year uh, jump there. Uh, speaking of that, we will be having uh, Emery Hunt and uh, and Derek uh, from uh, – shoot, I forget where Derek writes for now, and, and I'm going to shoot myself in the face because I can't remember. But uh, they have agreed, and, and so has – Charles McDonald, which, uh, by the way, his uh, podcast, Setting the Edge, has an interview with Miko Grimes that just came out this oh, last Miko's week. Miko's awesome, man. Must listen. Yeah, it is I was phenomenal. on Miko's show. She is, she, yeah, you were? You talk about She's raw. awesome. <laughs> She's something else, man. Why is no one giving her a deal well, for a show, man? I mean, like, I got to talk to Spike. We got to give her a deal. We got to do something. She's awesome. If you want rawness, raw. real talk. Stuff you can't play when your kids are in the yes, car. Yes, that is there. Yeah, she'll give it to you because she she quote said, and this is this is what's great about her. And I, I am really setting setting <laughs> these guys up, but seriously, I gotta cover my yeah. ears. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it's, this is kind of the on the lighter side of what she said, so that should give you any indication. But she went there, and if I have the clip, I'll just play. The, I'll play the clip in here. This is what she said about. Matt Ryan and, and his wife and what it is like to be uh, a, a QB wife in this league. <laughs> um, Matt Ryan is a dear friend of both of ours, him and his wife, Sarah. Sarah Ryan, if you guys ever get an opportunity to have her on in her organic form, meaning uh, the real bitch that she is, she would be a great interview. The problem is Sarah is a quarterback's wife, so she can't say shit that she really wants to say all the time. She has to stay in that that role, and I respect her for being able to do it because that's a tough position to be in, especially for a woman like her who's very strong, who has is opinionated, who knows about football. She knows a lot. Phenomenal. I mean, that's the, see. So I'm that's saying, what we'll talk about. She's out of control. <laughs> I man. love it. I love it so much. She, no filter whatsoever. So it's great. So I'm I'm pumping them up only because uh, Charles is going to come on here probably sometime after the combine as well because he's really good with. The defensive line guys, and yeah. plus, I want him to talk about my boy Jaleel Johnson, who I think would be a great replacement for Benny Logan. Of course, he's from Iowa, so I'm going to be a homer and, and obviously say that. But uh, him and uh, Mosqueda do a really good job, so go check them out uh, when you can. And we will have the ultimate Carson Wentz debate when things get boring around here, because I, I really want to know what these guys are actually thinking. Maybe we'll learn something, and, oh, and that's, hey, but listen, it'll be man. entertaining because I, I think I'm going to yell a little bit too. There's, a, I, I'll put it to you this way: there is room for improvement with Carson. No I'm doubt about. Thoroughly it. impressed with them, but there's room for improvement. And some of the things that Emory had issues with before he got here, Carson, that is, have continued to show. So look, it's yeah, it's going to be a really good debate. He'll present very good arguments. And, and uh, or viewpoints, and uh, I'm telling you, when you get him on, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to oh, be Emory's fun. Oh, Emory's, first yeah. of all, Emory's got like the one of the best broadcasting voices I've ever heard, too. So it's, uh, <laughs> he's, he, he's, he's a lot of fun. So we yeah. will have that kind of Philadelphia versus draft Twitter debate, and hopefully there'll be an olive branch between both sides. We oh, need to come together, folks. You know, I'm tired of fighting always. on Twitter all the time. I just want to enjoy football with the rest of us. So, uh, for Teron Davenport, and of course myself, John Barchard, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 225, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. BGN Radio.